Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. God, I pray your blessing upon each mind, upon each heart, that we can be settled and receive and be ready to go out and change the world in your name, Jesus. Amen. So good to be here. Um, it was really nice just to walk in and have no responsibilities. <laughs> At Crow's Nest, I'm normally running around like a chicken, my head chopped off. We've got cameras and all sorts of stuff going on and um, equipment and, um, you know, I'm planning things here. Andrew and the crew have just got it sorted. How good are they? Can we just give them a, a real encouragement? It's just... The worship team at Taramurra is famous. You know that, right? People are like, man, that worship at Taramurra, it's going off. Really wonderful to worship with you. Look, um, yeah, I'm, I'm the worship pastor. A little secret, I've never been a worship pastor in my life. Um, I love worshiping God. I'm a musician. I've been in, in and out of the professional music scene for about 20 years. So I love music and I love worshiping God. And this week, God really spoke to me very strongly I went to the idea of what is worship? What is worship? And I didn't con convene with Andrew at all about song choice, but we're going to sing later, The Heart of Worship. And I sat with God in beautiful Queensland as the floods rose around me. <laughs> um, and worship is about the heart of God. So I'm happy to be a worship pastor and have this job because... I get to focus on him and hear his voice. And the heart of God is really, really simple for us Christians. It's really simple. It's to seek and save the lost. That's what Jesus came to do. And he passed it on to us. So I'm taking a bit of a left turn in this sermon because of what the Holy Spirit's really been shouting at me this week. The conference Tina spoke of, we had a great old time up there uh, with our Queensland brothers and sisters. And basically, just to give you an idea, so you know what your church team's up to, we didn't just go surfing. Um, we're up there hearing from a, 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 one particular individual, Andy Stanley, who I didn't know a lot about, to be honest, and uh, a church in America called North Point. And these guys are basically saying, hey, in every community, there needs to be a church that's relatable and that you can bring your non-Christian or unchurched friends to, and they won't feel weird. And it was really interesting to hear him recount the story. His father was a, a great Southern Baptist pastor. And if you know anything about this, <laughs> give us a wave, Texan girl, straight out of the heartland, straight out of the heartland. I'm not going to ask you about your opinion on Trump. But, um, but you know, those, those Texan Southern Baptists, they're pretty hardcore, aren't they? Pretty fun. They love worshiping God. And, and he tells the story of, um, you know, of uh, just feeling a conviction to go, okay, my father's built this great church, and they wore robes. Did you ever wear a robe? Who thinks Rochelle should turn up in a robe one week? Are we okay with that, Andrew? <laughs> and it's cool. There's nothing wrong with robes, but, but um, he tells the story just wanting to start something different because he felt like there were just so many Christians in the Bible Belt. This is in Atlanta, by the way. So many Christians, and Christians would fill the church, and very seldom would you ever see anyone wander in that didn't know Jesus. It was a rarity just didn't happen that often. And he got convicted. He said, Dad, can I go and start something the other side of town? And by the way, if you Google this guy, the first thing will come up in YouTube is Blasphemer. I think he was famous for opening the service with a Led Zeppelin song a few months ago. And oh, people cried blasphemy and evil. And 
doesn't help that Led Zeppelin used to be involved in the occult, but he, the point is, why did he do that? And he explained, he said, look, I'm not interested anymore <laughs> implicating Atlantan Southern Christians that have known Jesus their whole life. I just want people to have a connection point and get to know Jesus Christ. And I was very convicted by this whole message. As a worship pastor, I felt a bit out of place. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm there to sing to God and wear robes. But, Caden, if you do me a favor, mate, I want to put up a verse. Um, it's a verse in Acts, Acts chapter 2. I think you've got verse 46 there somewhere. This is the early church. Jesus had risen from the dead. He'd spoken to the disciples and he'd left. He'd gone to be with God in heaven. And this is what the church looked like. Every day they met together in the temple and they ate in their homes. They shared food with gladness and simplicity. They praised God and they demonstrated God's goodness to everyone. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. I want you to read that last line again. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. I'm going to read it once more. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. I'm going to read it once more. The Lord added daily to the community those who were being saved. You can take that off now. It just stuck out. You know, every time I'd seen that passage in the past, I thought, yeah, that's a worship pastor's passage. We're there. We're praising God every day in the temple courts. But tacked onto that is something that is absolutely linked and irremovable from the heart of God and what he does when we meet together in worship. He wants to add, not for numbers, not for glory, not so we can have a really big church bigger than the next people, just because that's the heart of God. When we get close to God, we understand he really, really wants to touch people and move them. I've got, I've got an example. Um, you may have no, noticed that was just a rough... It actually looked pretty good. Thanks, Caden. I turned up this morning. All I had was screenshots from my phone for him. Normally, I've got these sermon notes and points in a, with the north side font. Did you know we have a font, Ivan? Neutrick Groesque Bold or something. That's the Sam's Top. That's our font, Grant. We've got a north side font. None of that's in the right font. The reason was last night I was performing at a gig. I'm, I still do gigs. Um, it was just a wedding, regular wedding gig with, with a singer named Steve who sings and plays guitar. And my last bit, I had the sermon prepared, but I hadn't written out the, the slides for Caden to put up here. Normally I've got points, so I just put them in a Word document and upload them to PowerPoint, blah, blah, blah. And I do that in the set breaks. If anyone knows what weddings are like for musicians, you sit around not doing much at all. And you play the bridal dance and people will dance and go home. It's, it's like Groundhog Day, <laughs> really. It's, I've done dozens and hundreds of them, actually. And so I pulled out my laptop and was ready to prepare the slides. But old mate Steve, the singer, he's got a look in his eye. Oh, you're a church guy, aren't you? Huh? What do you think about this whole Brian Houston thing, man? Like, oh, uh-oh, I feel like I'm in the courts, you know. Oh, boy, here we go. I shut the laptop, and, and what ensued was a, an interesting debate. I, I, I don't blame anyone or condemn anyone whose father was, uh, you know, an abuser. I considered him a victim too, so I somewhat went to Brian's defense, but let the courts decide. I said, dude, and then he just sort of said, and then the whole thing, because he grew up Catholic, he declares himself an atheist now, but he went to a, a Catholic 
school when he was growing up. And so when the explosion happened with oh, case after case after case after case of pedophilia, and it turned out it was almost just a culture of pedophilia, you tell a young man of 20 years old that he, if you love Jesus, you'll never sleep with a woman, you'll never get married, you're celibate for life, and then you surround them with children. This is what the culture has developed over hundreds of years. And I said, look, dude, I told him a verse in the Bible that just came to mind. To try and separate his preconceptions of people and leaders that he doesn't trust anymore, to separate those from God. It can be hard to do when you grow up Catholic. You learn, and not so different in Southern Baptist churches or my own upbringing, the pastor was kind of like, oh, he's the guy we talk to in order to get closer to God. And I said, dude, there's a verse in the Bible, which just came to my mind, a random verse. I don't think I've ever quoted in my life. Beware of those who forbid marriage. I'm not here to rat in the Catholic church. Some of my dearest friends are there. But I just said, anyway, you're kidding. That can't be in the Bible. No, 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 that's not right. I said, look, dude, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible you probably don't know. <laughs> a lot of stuff that's not represented by the church, Baptist Church of Christ included, that has nothing to do with God and his word and Jesus. And what you've seen is possibly something that looks nothing like Jesus. In fact, Jesus is at this wedding. His first gig was at a wedding. That's what I claim to justify hundreds of mind-numbing weddings that I've done. Well, Jesus started out at a wedding. It's his first gig because he enjoys being with people and celebration. He even got them more wine. Don't tell the Baptists. <laughs> I grew up in a Baptist church too. Jesus turned water into wine. First miracle, awkward. I said, look, dude, and he began to open his mind didn't change from being an atheist but all this time I'm supposed to be preparing my notes that's why Caden got screwed but you know what in each set break he attacked me again not attacked me but approached me and it got easier each time because he said oh, I, th I think I see what you're saying dude he said I still I still have no reason to believe there's a God I said well that's fine and we just got down to some really basics about the fact a we exist all right you believe in a, a big bang a singularity and everything came out of nothing just got him thinking that guy didn't take my two ways to live track last night. I don't know if you're old enough to remember those terrible things, but he didn't pray a prayer of salvation and get on his knees. He didn't say he was coming to church. But what happened was, what I saw happen was, some barriers were removed. It was just a first step. My mistake in evangelism in the past has been to rush. But I want you to think about something. The first people Jesus called, the followers of Jesus, the disciples, Peter, John, Andrew, they were not Christians in any way, shape, or form. They were not Christians. They didn't know who Jesus was. They followed him for years, and finally, towards the end of the time, Peter says, Lord, you're the Christ. He finally sees it, but then forgets again, and they doubt when he's crucified, and then they believe again when he's resurrected. My point is there was a process that happened over years for these people. It doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes someone will just miraculously get saved and have a revelation of Jesus. But even that, even Billy Graham said, and Billy Graham's the king of those moments where thousands of people amazingly put up their hand and says, I understand the gospel. I want Jesus in my life. But even he said, you know what? It, it didn't happen here. It's your friendships your family, your relationships, and the fact that you invited them, and maybe the cool singers, because he used to have pretty cool bands play with him, Billy Graham, I don't know if anyone, sorry, if I'm not showing my age, I'm, I haven't reached 50 yet, but I do remember Billy Graham, <laughs> he's my namesake, he's, um, 
people in America kept calling me Grant. Oh, Grant? Hey, Graham. Graham. My name's Graham. I had a very strong Australian accent when I visited Graham. My name's Graham. Brian? I said, no. B- like Billy Graham. Oh, Billy Graham. Yeah, like the surname. Yeah. So I admired the guy, but what he said was, it didn't just happen like we think it did. I don't know if you've seen Andrew's Northside story. Um, look it up online. I'll, I'll, I'll find you the date if you come and ask me or ask him. And I'm, if you don't mind, I'm, I might do a little recap here. The day, it was at a youth meeting or something when you decided, that's it, I'm, Jesus is for me, I'm going all the way. Correct me if I'm wrong, before that point, you had some interaction, yeah, with some Christians in a community. How long roughly would that be? Almost a year. Okay, going on six months, uh, going on a year. A relationship with, ironically, who, who was that? It was your friends across the road. Joel Houston. <laughs> okay, there we go. It's an interesting name these days. There you go. Brian's son, Joel, happened to live across the road from Andrew. He didn't know Jesus. He got to know Joel first. So someone's going to get to know Kate first or Ivan first. And the amazing thing is God does a work that we don't understand. Notice in that verse, the Lord added to their number daily. We don't add. We can invite and bang a drum and say, come along to church. God knows I've done that plenty of times. The Lord adds to the number. He does a mysterious work in their heart, and it's very powerful. And I just want to really reiterate, this is the heart of God. We know it because it's the first and last thing that Jesus did and said in his ministry. Um, Caden or um, Ryan, if you guys can put up for me, please, um, the passage, Matthew chapter 4, where Jesus calls Peter to be fishers of men. Fishers of men. He was walking along the beach in Galilee. Here we go. Let's read this together. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. They left their nets at once and followed him. I don't tend to have that effect on people. (laughs) But they left their nets at once, followed him. And you can see from the start, these guys don't even know who he is. You can take that down now. Thank you. Just understand, they were just smelly, humble fishermen. They don't even know who Jesus is. They probably don't even understand the significance of the passages in the Old Testament, which they would have known as Jews. Unto you will be born a Savior, and he'll be a light unto the Gentiles. Jesus was prophesied in Isaiah, but it's only us that's made a big deal out of that, the Apostle Paul. Beforehand, that the Jews weren't expecting a Messiah anytime soon. So they don't know Jesus, they're not Christians, and yet he says, you're evangelists. This is where I want to share something else with you that just amazes me that God's done recently. Um, down at Crow's Nest, I, through COVID, we really struggled to get a team together. You know, Andrew will testify to that. It's just tough getting volunteers and teams together through a pandemic where people obviously are afraid, understandably, to, to come to church. I said, Lord, you know, our pianist, our amazing pianist, Eric, started to work, uh, do shifts on Sundays, um, so he couldn't help me out with piano. And I love piano. I just think it's, it's like an orchestra. I play guitar myself, but I love to have piano in worship. And I said, Lord, I haven't got a pianist available. Some of the others were working. Um, Belinda was busy. And I'm like, oh, man, what am I going to do? 
And I was at a rehearsal with Mr. Sam McNally. I don't know if any of you guys know him, but if, if you've heard about him, a phenomenal Australian musician, toured with Tommy Emmanuel many years, did his own stuff, John Farnham, a whole bunch of stuff. And I was at a rehearsal with him doing our own kind of weird jazz fusion stuff. And the Lord just prompted me. I sat next to him and I felt this beating in my heart, the Holy Spirit telling me something. I'm like, no, no, God, no chance. No, 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 this is not appropriate. And it blurted out, Sam, I don't suppose you'd be interested in coming and playing on a Sunday morning in a church. And I was ready for the rejection, the, dude, what are you on? <laughs> Understanding musicians gig late, so don't, dude, within 10 seconds, dude, I, that'd be so cool. He didn't know Jesus. Again, Catholic when he was very young, so he knew about Jesus. The guy had been involved in Raj Yoga. 30 years of Raj Yoga? I'm like casting out demons and... <laughs> ah, I'm terrible. Raj Yoga, there's all Hindu stuff in there. Buddhism, all this complication. God didn't leave me to have a debate with him about all his wrong theology. He said, just invite the guy to a community. Fortunately, we've got a pastor, Sam, who has this catchphrase. It's actually quite annoying. He says it all week. Belong before you believe. Belong before you believe. So he said, no, invite him into the community. Sam gets up. He's starting to play. I've never done this in my life. I've been involved in worship teams. Never once ever have I had someone who doesn't believe in Jesus on the stand playing. We didn't change our songs. We didn't change the message. But he was there part of it. And I can tell you, over the past 12 months, I have seen a change in this man. It's mind-blowing. It's, it's, he starts saying, first of all, it's, he starts listening to the sermons. I didn't know that about Jesus. This Jesus is a real, it's more than meets the eye, isn't it? He, he just knew religion. He didn't know Jesus. And week after week, I saw him engaging to the point where he was crying one week, playing the piano, weeping. He didn't even know why. I said, dude, that's, that's the presence of God. <laughs> God's really awesome. And it just blew me away that God, and now, here's the nutty thing, guys. He's inviting people to come to church. I don't even know if he's signed on the dotted line in the, you know, the front of the Gideon's Bible where you pray the prayer and ticket. I don't even think he's done that. He's inviting people. He's a fisher of man. Just like Peter and Andrew. Jesus said, you are fishers of men. He said at the scent, you're a fisher of men. And he's like, we've got to get this word out. Graham, we've got, we've got to get people here. He's posting on Instagram or Northside Christian stuff. His friends are going, what? What's Sam doing? And it's just amazing to me that God can take someone and make them a vessel. But what saddens me deeply is that he's more of an evangelist than me and a lot of us. But is, doesn't that figure... When we get comfortable and we get in routines and habits, we just forget the day we met Jesus and the people around us that led, him, led us to him. We just get comfortable. We go around in circles. And my, my challenge is to go, okay, this is not something peripheral. It's not one of the things that we teach. It's central to the mission. That's the first thing Jesus said was, hey, you're going to be fishers of men before he started his ministry. Then he went on to teach amazing things. Let's look at the last thing, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. If you can put up that, that up there for me, champ. This is when he's standing on the mountain, about to leave them again, and they're so confused. You rose from the dead, awesome. What, you're leaving? Huh? This is what he said, last words. 
of Jesus. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And that's the promise. As I get to a close, that's the promise that I want you to have. As you muddle over, I know you're thinking about friends and people who don't know Jesus, but I don't know where to start. Let me tell you something. I'm not, you can take that down. Thanks, man. I'm not a natural evangelist. I'm not. People think I am, but I screwed it up, messed it up, messed it up. I ended up talking about the church instead of Jesus. And I do all sorts of mistakes. And I'd miss the point. I wouldn't listen. I'd just talk. I used to carry this track, Two Ways to Live, John Chapman. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? There was this track we used to have. It was just, it had a picture of a big chasm. It was Theologically, it was perfect. You know, there's God on one side, man on the other, was divided by sin. And there's the burning flames of hell. There's nothing like a few burning flames of hell to preach the gospel, is there? Beautiful picture. And then, of course, the cross, great theology. Bang, the cross bridges the gap. We can all walk to Jesus across the bridge. And we we used to hand these stupid things out. Again, there's nothing wrong with the theology of it, but the method was nothing like what's in the Bible. Look at that. They ate together in their homes. They did good to everyone around them. That was their two ways to live tracked. They just blessed people, and they worshipped God, and they were loving, and they welcomed everyone. And let me tell you, they didn't have a chance to get stale and religious because God kept adding people to their number, adding people who weren't even Jewish. Oh, give me another half an hour. I'll preach on that. But the the ridiculousness of that gathering, people don't understand. There was nothing like it in history when the first church met. Nothing like it. Because this was Jews who for thousands of years had been separate, worshipping in the temple. Gentiles were outcasts and they were unclean. This is Jews and Gentiles meeting together, having big clashes. And the book of Acts talks about clashes they had. Well, that, part, that guy's not circumcised. I'm not stand- so it was a chaotic place. And yet God kept adding more chaos. <laughs> so they didn't get in a comfort zone. And when they did get in a comfort zone, what happened? The authorities, the Jews, dobbed them into the Romans, and they said, this is not good. We don't want people mixing like that. They outlawed Christianity. And the apostle Paul, Saul, began to hunt them down. But what happened then? No comfort zone because they're spreading out from Jerusalem. They escaped. They fled. They went to Antioch. They went over to Greece, to Turkey, Asia, and And they began to spread, and the pattern was the same. They'd meet in their homes, and they'd invite people in and just love them. Now, don't get me wrong. You might have some tough nuts, some tough cookies in your circle of friends that are just not ready, not ready for the full-fledged Word of God gospel. But I tell you what they are ready for. They're ready for a listening ear and a bit of love. And just knowing that you represent Jesus is enough to start with. And we pray by God's grace they'll come. I'm going to tell one more story because I'm just full of stories this morning. Um, We had a concert Friday night. You enjoy yourself, Ivan? Ivan brought friends along. So good brother and friends, um, and we had a chap, a character, a cad called Doug Williams. Now, Doug, Doug's a wild man. He's well known. I, even for the wild music community of Sydney, he's known as a rascal. Like, <laughs> you work with this guy, and man, there's, there's drugs and drink. Um, he, he's just been a wild character for the last 30 years. Incredible musician from Chicago, but, you know, nestled in Sydney now for 30 years. And uh, he walked into this building, Sam, our new evangelist, Fisher of Man on piano. 
said, dude, you've got to come to Northside and do a concert with us. So we roped him in on Friday night, and we had a bit of a band put together. Dave Plenty, a, a, an amazing drummer from the scene. Again, another guy who's just finding out about these things. We've roped him in. <laughs> and we, we didn't know Doug was going to turn up, because Doug's had four heart operations. He's got stints in his heart. He's a mess. He actually had a heart attack on stage last year and walked off halfway. <laughs> so not a healthy man. No secret why. <laughs> but, you know, he turned up. And, and I was just chatting with Ivan before. He walked into this place and we gave him a nice, comfortable green room. Thanks for making it. He had to drive down from the central coast in the rain. He's like, man, that was dangerous. It's raining cats and dogs, man. That was crap, man. This is terrible, man. You got a parking spot for me. It, was, it wasn't a happy Doug when he arrived. We settled him. We gave him a nice, comfortable chair. And, and our bass player, Paul, who's a big fan of Doug because Doug's a bass player, our bass player from Crow's Nest, said, Graham, is there anything I can do for Doug? And I went, Mountain Dew. He loves Mountain Dew. He was raised on it. Toxic stuff, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, it's stronger than Red Bull over there. But. So Paul ran down the street all the way from Crow's Nest Campus. You know what it is, all the way up to Willoughby Road, and got him a Mountain Dew, ran back, and got him a Mountain Dew on a burrito. And suddenly, Doug was like, thanks, man. Right on. Put him in a good mood. <laughs> he gets up there and performs his heart out. But what was fascinating, and I want to remember this, yeah, we did all the classic sort of soul brother tunes, you know, a bit of Lionel Richie, um, a bit of Stevie Wonder. The Temptations, Michael, all the classic stuff, you know. Um, you know, and I was on guitar, which was nerve-wracking for a bass player, but I got to play with one of my idols, really. I, I grew up listening to this guy. So it was a special moment for me. And we didn't preach at him. We didn't, it wasn't a church service. It was just a concert. And at, at the end, <laughs> we're jamming. What song was it? I think it was I Feel Good, the James Brown, but this really weird version he does. Um, at the end, he's just jamming, and he just, he just gets in one of those moments where he starts moving funny. You're like, oh boy, Doug, this is a white people church. What are you doing, man? He just starts doing that. And he starts singing about, Martha, don't you fret. Martha, don't you worry. Sit at the feet of Jesus with Mary. And I'm like, and we're just looking at each other. We don't know what he's singing. And he just starts, doesn't he? He starts singing about Jesus out of nowhere. I've never heard this guy talk about it, right? I said, Doug, what? Well, by the way, this was shortly after he sat down in a chair on stage and didn't move for two minutes, and we thought it was over. <laughs> we thought he was, he was done. I said, Doug, you want me to bring the mic to you? And he went, no, nah, I'm just going to sit here, man. Anyway, there was drama on stage, but he got back up, and praise God, he didn't die, which is awesome. Um, always a win. But he starts singing about Martha and Mary. And I'm like, dude, what, what is this song? He said, man, I grew up in Chicago. My parents used to sing that. It's the first gospel song I ever learned. I went to church as a little kid. And isn't that just like God? He did the work. We did, I, I didn't have to sow those seeds because God had already sowed seeds. I just had to get him amongst friends, and God did his work. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Doug. I'd ask you all, if you don't mind, we're going to have a little prayer before we do communion for Doug. I don't know where he's at now, but he had a very powerful moment. I could sense that. And we didn't even preach the gospel or anything. He just knew he was in a place where people loved Jesus. And we welcomed him. We said g'day. And people accepted him and loved him. And that is so powerful. Um, shameless plug. We're going to do another one late April. Going to let Ivan know. He'll spread the word. We, we, we really want to get as many Northside church folks from Taramara and Crow's Nest at these things because they're a great event to invite your friends to. Non-threatening. And hear some great music. Um, I'm not just trying to drum up ticket sales, by the way. <laughs> um, but look... I want to pray for Doug with all you guys, if we can. But I also want you to have someone in mind right now. I want you to think of someone. So we can just bow our heads now and come before God. Who is it?
They might have come to mind straight away. It might be a friend from work. It might be a family member. It might be years and years of trouble. Who knows? And Lord, we come before you with these precious, precious, precious souls in mind. And we say, God, touch them. It's not about inviting them to church or making them do something. It's just about being loving to them. And yeah, hopefully one day we can invite them into a community that says, it's okay, you can belong to our family even before you understand the theology. Lord, touch this person. Touch Doug. And if we could all just hone in on Doug, he's been a very sick man. Lord, in his frailness, at 71 years of age, I pray you would speak to him in his little home in the Central Coast, Lord. Touch Doug, Lord. It's not just a feeling he had on the Friday night, Lord, but an ongoing understanding that you love him, that you died for him, that you paid for all of his sins, and that those beautiful gospel songs he sung as a child in Chicago, Lord, that they're still inside him as seeds. Lord, bless him and bring him to know you. Bless our friends. Bless our family, God. May they know the power of your salvation, of your cross. Of the blood of Jesus that washes away the sins of the world with no questions asked. Bring him to faith. Bring our friends to faith, Lord. I'm just going to, we're going to lead into communion now. And we know what this is about. I love that we do it every week. Lord, you gave us the message. You said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. But this morning, let's remember the words of Jesus, his last words. Do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? It's simple. Do you love Jesus? The answer is yes, I don't doubt it in this room. If you love him, we obey his commands. And it's not burdensome. He helps us. So we remember your body broken and crushed and whipped. Lord, we remember your blood poured out. Shed for the sins of the world. Not only our sins, 1 John says, but the sins of the whole world. Lord God, help us to have an open outward heart. that would be the same as what you are, Jesus, to seek and save those who are lost, including us, once was us. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.